Thank you for checking out the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe that no matter where you have come from or what you have come out of, today can be a life-changing day. Church should not be an obligation to endure each week, but rather a place to look forward to, a place where we can come together in community to grow in our lives. So join us today as we expect something good from our amazing God. So we're really glad that you're with us this morning if you're watching online. You know, if you're watching online this morning, we gave everybody uh, this book, the Fresh Start book, uh, as we get ready to launch into the new year. And we're asking everybody to take this and just read this during the month of January. During the month of January, we're going to teach four lessons out of this book as we all take a fresh start together. But if you're watching online and you'd like a copy of this book, just uh, go, to your, go to your email and email us at nextsteps at visitriversedge.com. The guys will put it up on the, on the screen there so that you've got it. Uh, nextsteps at visitriversedge.com, and we will send you this book this week so that you can uh, get a fresh start with us and read through with us. Amen? Amen. Well, it's also Communion Sunday, and so this morning I have a message for you that's a mishmash. We're going to be talking about communion, but we're also going to be talking about getting a fresh start. And we're going to do them both together. Amen? All right, so get your Bibles out. We're going to jump to the giving, not the giving, but the communion scripture that you're also so very familiar with. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 23. And it says this. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you first and foremost for Jesus. We thank you that he came to usher in a new covenant that we could be a part of. That the old could be done away with and we could enter into something new. And Father, I just thank you that this morning our hearts and our minds are ready to receive everything that you have for us. Father, I pray for this amazing church and these amazing people. God, that this year, 2019, would be a year better than they ever dreamed. And Father, I thank you that as we enter into this year, we enter into it with a fresh start. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody declared, amen. amen. Uh, you know, we, we've lived in our house now um, for eight years. When we first relocated back to Boise and uh, came home after 20 years, we, we moved into this neighborhood and we rented our house for a number of years. And um, when we moved into our house, it was a dump. It was. Uh, every wall was white, kind of. And um, uh, the, the yard um, was kind of a yard. The, the backyard was all thistle weeds and the front yard was all crabgrass. Um, there were uh, two trees in the front yard, but there were no flowers, no plants. The backyard had no trees and no plants. It was just stickers. 
And uh, the paint was in bad shape. I mean, bad shape. It was this ugly green color that looked like it used to be greener, but now it had faded. Does that make sense? And uh, it just it just wasn't in good shape. Parts of the fence were falling down. I mean, this this place was a mess. And uh, we were renting it, and we slowly started planting a few things here and there because I like bushes, I like trees, <laughs> I like grass you can walk in. Um, and so we started working on it, and then eventually we make, made an arrangement with the people who own the house to buy it. We bought it directly from them. And right after we bought it, we painted it because it was an embarrassment. I mean, you know, you know, I think in a lot of neighborhoods there's that house, Right? And everybody knows that house. That was our house. Our house was the worst house in the neighborhood. The yard was the worst. The paint was the worst. The house was the worst. And, and so we, we painted it, and we tore stuff out, and we planted flower beds. And actually, we used to have this really icky kind of pine tree kind of thing that grew up right by our front door. And I told Janet, after we buy this place, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to rip that thing out. And it was the first thing we did after we bought it. We ripped it out. In fact, Zach and I started digging it out. And Janet was in the front yard. And she went around to the backyard to get the garbage can because she was trimming some stuff up too. And she came back and the tree was gone. She's like, how did you do that? It's like, well, there wasn't much holding it in the ground. And, uh, and so we just tore it out. And, and uh, the fence, you know, in places that we had a number of windstorms that blew the fence down. So we had to repair the fence. And and put it together, we really knocked ourselves out to make our house a nice house. And then one day, we got a letter. And it was from our homeowners association. Now, now, remind you that our house was the worst house on the block. We've now painted it. We've brought the yard back to life. We've planted trees. We've planted bushes. We've planted flowers. The house looks nice. We fixed the fence, you know, from being blown over and put it back up. But we get a letter. And the letter says, you have lattice on your fence that is missing. You need to replace the lattice. And what it was, it wasn't a section of lattice. It was like one little lattice strip, right? And so I went out and I looked at the fence and I found the two lattice strips that were missing I went to Home Depot, I bought the lattice strips, I I worked it into the fence, screwed it into place, got the lattice up there, feeling pretty good, I've, I've, I've made the homeowners association happy, I'm obeying the CCRs, right? The, cov- the covenant conditions and restrictions of the homeowners association, I'm making them happy, I'm feeling really good about it. And then a couple weeks later, I get another letter, and it says... You have lattice missing on your fence. Fix it, or the next letter will include a fine. And I'm like, what? I fixed it. I was upset. And so I went, and I went down the fence. Well, behind the tree that we planted in the backyard, where we couldn't see, there was a piece of lattice that was missing. And actually, the piece of lattice was there. It had just kind of slipped down a little bit. So all I had to do was slide it up and screw it back into place. And it was just so frustrating, right? We'd worked so hard to make our house so beautiful. 
and we're getting notices over the lattice. We moved into a, a house that was a dump. The, the yard was terrible. The paint was terrible. In all the years that we lived there, we never heard anything. And now we fixed everything up, and we're getting notifications about the lattice. It's pretty frustrating. And I don't know about you. I think for some people, that's how their walk with God feels. They're trying so hard to do everything right. You know, they look at the Ten Commandments, go, hey, I'm obeying all the Ten Commandments, and, you know, love your neighbor, I'm loving my neighbor, and you're doing everything. And then you realize, you know what, I'm falling short in an area. It's just like, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And I think some people get in that spot, and they just feel defeated, and they just want to give up. Kind of how I felt like with the whole lattice thing. But you know what's great? Is that Jesus has promised us a new start. And the communion scripture that we use, 1 Corinthians 11, really is a reminder that Jesus has given us a new start. That he's given us a fresh start. See, communion reminds us that we're no longer under what was called the Old Covenant or what is called the Old Covenant. In fact, Jesus said that he's bringing in, he's ushering in a new covenant. Well, what does that mean, covenant? Well, you know, a covenant, we, most of us are familiar like the covenant that we have in our homeowners association, right? There's requirements to live in the neighborhood. Now, there's benefits for living in the neighborhood, but there's also requirements. Like, like in our neighborhood, you're not going to find somebody's RV parked on the side of their house, no matter what it looks like. It's just not allowed. It's just part of the rules. You're not going to have somebody that's working on their car in their front yard, right? So there's some nice perks, right? They, they maintain the green spaces. But in order to receive those perks, I have to meet the needs of the covenant. Amen? Well, in the Bible, under the old covenant, there was perks, but you had to do good on all the requirements. And so... The old covenant is this. The old covenant was justification by the law. In other words, you were made right by meeting the standards set forth in the law that we see in the Old Testament. That's how we had right standing with God. And there's lots of promises for us when we're in right standing with God. But you have to meet the requirements. Well, in the old covenant... You had to fulfill every single part of the law. You know what that meant? That meant that you had to obey the parts that you didn't even know about. Kind of like me. That stupid piece of laugh. Right? I thought I was good. But I wasn't. I was falling short in one little area. And because I was falling short in that one little area, I wasn't holding up my end of the covenant. Guess what? If we don't hold up every part of the law, if we don't obey every part of the law, guess what? We're not holding up our end of the covenant. And if you're not holding up your end of the covenant, you don't get the blessings of the covenant. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm doing away with the old covenant. I've got a new covenant for you. That's what he says. He says it it right here in 1 Corinthians. This is what he says. He says, 
Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the, manner, in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you do drink it in remembrance of me. He's saying, as often as you receive communion, remember the new covenant. Remember the new covenant. Well, what's the new covenant? The new covenant is justification by faith. Not justification by obedience to the law, but justification by faith. Well, what does that mean? Well, justification by faith is saying, you know what? Jesus, I believe that you lived a perfect spotless life. You met the requirements of the law and then laid down your life for me. And now I can receive the blessing of the covenant by faith through you. That's what it means, the new covenant. And it, you know, the, oh, it's debating on whether to go into all this. So, with covenants that we're not really particularly familiar with, especially in our culture, we see legal banding contracts. But in some cultures still today, there's a thing called a blood covenant. A blood covenant. And in fact, you might be sitting here and as a young man, you made a blood covenant, right? You know, you had a blood brother. Did any guys have a blood brother? You know, you'd cut your hand, right? And you'd shake and you'd mingle your blood together and you'd make, we're bros forever and I got your back and anybody comes after you, I'm coming after them. And you know, you make this blood covenant as a kid. Not really thinking. I know boys are crazy. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's funny. We were... We're at Christmas Eve, and we walked away from Christmas Eve, and Zach goes, Dad, you really did some kind of crazy stuff talking about, because he got to, in a conversation with his Uncle David, and his Uncle David started telling them some of the stories that we used to do, and he's like, you were a lot crazier than I thought you were. He goes, I need to do more crazy stuff. <laughs> Just do it smart. But see, we would make a blood covenant. Well, in some cultures today, they still make blood covenants. And the thing with a blood covenant is this. It's forever binding. And the ramifications for breaking a blood covenant is death. That's the ramification. If you break a blood covenant, the ramifications for it is death. So there's literally parts of the world where people still make blood covenants. And if you break part of that covenant, your own family will murder you. Because you've broken the blood covenant. That's how serious a blood covenant is. And Jesus is saying, I make a blood covenant with you, but not by your blood, but by my blood. And because I make this covenant with you, this unbreakable covenant, you're going to get all the benefits that I'm purchasing on the cross. They're going to be yours. And I'm solidifying it in my blood. That's a powerful covenant. See, Jesus is telling his disciples that the old way of trying to establish yourself in righteousness or right standing with God, he's saying it's, it's being done away with. No longer will you be held accountable to all the requirements of the law. You won't be held required to those anymore. Instead, you can put your faith in me. And by doing so, you're made righteous with God. You know what that promise is? That everybody gets a fresh start. Everybody gets a fresh start. 
In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. It says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, Jesus took our sin and our failure on him to the cross. He paid the price for our sin and failure so we don't have to. He paid the price so that we could enter into the covenant and not have to work to keep ourselves in. Which was impossible in the first place. See, Galatians 3.24 says this. I love Galatians 3.24. You should, it's, it's not a refrigerator scripture, but it's a scripture that all of us should know. And it says this. It says, therefore, the law, right? Everything that we see in the Old Testament, there's a requirement of somebody who was a follower of God. The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. That we might be justified by faith. Well, what does that mean? This is what that means. It means that when we compare our lives to the law, what God requires, the way God requires us to live, we can't measure up to it. We can't measure up to it. I mean, read the Old Testament sometime. And all the requirements that were established for you to live by. It's impossible. And then Jesus shows up. And you know what he does? He makes it even more difficult. He, he shows up. and He says, you know what you've heard? You shouldn't commit murder. But I tell you, that if a man thinks evil in his heart towards his brother, he's guilty. He says, you, you know, you've heard, don't commit adultery. Well, guess what? If a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's committed adultery. That's tough. That's tough. Because I think we'd all admit we've murdered somebody before. Right? By Jesus' standard, we'd say, you know what? There's been some people. Right? And we think, hmm. Yeah, just the freeway alone. You don't even have to know somebody well. Right? To, to, to lose it. See, there's a righteous standard that we could never live up to. And so Jesus came and paid the price required by that righteous standard. Why? So that we could have the benefits of the covenant. That's why he said, we're entering into a new covenant. And it's a covenant by my blood. Because you know what? The requirement, the requirement for our sin and our failure is our blood. It's our blood. And Jesus said, no, I'll substitute mine. And you can have the benefits of the covenant. See, so many times we make salvation such a complicated thing. We, we make entering into the new life so complicated. But you know really what it comes down to? It comes down to this. You can choose to pay the price for your sin and failure. You can. People do it all the time. Or you can choose to let Jesus. And Jesus already did it. And it's available for anyone who wants it. You just have to say, you know what, Jesus, your deal is better than my deal. 
I don't want to pay the price for my sin and my failure, so you go ahead. I'll, I'll let you do it for me. That's what we call salvation. That's how simple salvation is. It's saying, Jesus, I will let your substitution, your substitutional payment for me, I will let it take my place. But you know what? When we decide that we want to live under the law and try to get it all right ourselves, we're taking ourselves away from that and saying, no, Jesus, yours wasn't enough. That's why if you, if you read the epistles, you'll find there's this whole discussion right, about being in the works of the flesh. Well, the works of the flesh are really you trying to put yourself back under the law and repay the price. But we have to realize that Jesus' sacrifice was good once and for all, or it wasn't. And if it was good once and for all, we can accept it and say, you know what, Jesus, I will take your deal. I will take your deal. I will walk out in that. He made him who knew no sin, be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That we could be in right standing with God because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And that's why we know we can have a fresh start. It's because he purchased it for us. We can look at all of our sin and our failure. We can look back at last year, and I really cautioned everybody last week about how you look back. But we can look back at last year and go, wow, I really blew it a lot. Well, guess what? It's a new year. And because Jesus has ushered in a new covenant, you can have a fresh start. You can have a fresh start. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you are in Christ Jesus, the old has passed away. All things have become new. Why? Because Jesus ratified a new covenant for us. What a great promise. The old has passed away. All things have become new. I don't know about you, I need some new once in a while. Right? I mean, you know, I'll admit, there's been some Sundays, by the time I walk into church on Sunday morning, I already needed some new. Right? Because my morning hasn't gone the way that I thought it should go, and maybe I let some people know how I felt about it. I know nobody's ever done that here. See, the old's passed away. All things have become new. He's made us new. The other thing that this tells us is that a fresh start always begins with Jesus. A fresh start doesn't begin with us. A fresh start always begins with Jesus. If you truly want a fresh start, if you truly want a new life, if you truly want things to be radically different, it starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. See, in each time we receive communion, it should be a reminder to us that we've been given a fresh start in a new covenant. And then it had nothing to do with us, and it had everything to do with Jesus. See, so many people think 
that Christianity is due. Do this, do that. Do this, do that. Live this way, not that way. Do these things, not those things. But you know what? Christianity has never been due. But it's always been done. See, Jesus did it. It's been done. See, your righteousness has been settled once and for all in him. Now, what's really great is as we start to get a revelation of who we are because of what Jesus has done, we end up doing. But see, there's two ways that that people try to get to the Father. By what they do or by what Jesus has done. And I'm going to tell you that if you live your life doing to get to, to get to the Father, you're always going to fall short. That's why Jesus paid the price. That's why he said it's done. It is finished. See, when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, and we start to believe what he said is true, and we start to believe that the in him realities are a reality in our life, it changes us. See, the promise of the covenant is this. You don't have to try to get better. You don't have to try to get better. Now, I just want to quantify that because there are people that, second I say that, your head tilts. (laughs) And you think, Pastor, are you saying that I can just do whatever I want? Here's what I'm saying. Is you get to know Jesus and you'll want to do what Jesus wants you to do. And it stops being something that you're endeavoring to do and it's something that happens as a byproduct of your relationship with him. See, I wish she was here. I gained some points right now, but Janet's not here. She's with the kids this morning. That'd be really loud. (laughs) Kids can be kind of noisy. Because of my relationship to my wife, I want to do right by my wife. And the more I get to know her, the more I know her heart, the the more I know what she's passionate about, the more that that I know what, what, what makes her sad, the more that I know her personality, the more I know that her, know her passions, the more I want to be a man that meets those needs in her life. It's a byproduct of our relationship. See, the same is true with our relationship with Jesus. The more we know him, the more we want to please him. It's, it's a byproduct of our relationship. And it stops being this, I have to do things right, to, man, I get to please my Savior. And what's the best part about the whole thing is, is that he's the one that makes it happen. He starts refining us and changing us and and changing our appetites and our hungers and our desires. And all of a sudden, they start to align with his. I mean, that's that's what happens in marriage, right? 
Like, last night, Janet really wanted a hamburger. I didn't really want a hamburger. I didn't. I'm, for me, it's always Mexican food or Chinese food. It's just kind of, or Thai food. Everything ethnic. I like all the ethnic foods. But because she wanted a hamburger, I'm like, let's go get a hamburger. Let's do it. Right? I wanted to be in unison with her. Why? Because I know her. I know her heart. I know it'll make her happy. I know it'll please her. All based out of relationship. See, our life changes and we grow and we become the thing that we want to become, not because we're forcing ourselves to do it, but because we realize we get to do it because of what he's done. And that's what Paul is reminding the Corinthians of. He's saying, you know what, there was, there was an old covenant. There was an old covenant that none of us could live to. There was a standard so high, we could never make it. But Jesus said, I've got a new covenant. And you know what? You all qualify. Because he paid the price to ratify that covenant. So that you could enter into a relationship. And so because of that, we all get a fresh start. And this covenant is so good. Right? I, just, I remember when, when, I first, when I first accepted Jesus as my Savior. For weeks, every Sunday I was at the altar. Every Sunday. I'm like, okay, I lusted this week. I told that person off. I had a bad attitude. I lied. And I just saw everything that I did. And I would get to church and be like, I need Jesus. And it was week after week after week. And Jan's family kind of laughed at me because, hey, that boyfriend of yours is getting saved all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's funny now. <laughs> but see, I didn't realize the price was paid once and for all. See, I felt like I needed to come to Jesus every single Sunday because I was missing something. And the thing I was missing was 1 John 1, nine. And 1 John 1, nine became one of my f- favorite scriptures for a long time. I'd have to say it still is. It says this. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you realize that this scripture isn't quantified? It doesn't say, if you confess your sins up to a hundred times, he is faithful and just to forgive. It, it doesn't quantify it. You know what that means? It means we can fall on this scripture as many times as we need to. And what I realized is I didn't need to give my life to Jesus again every Sunday. All I needed to do is say, you know what, Jesus, I just messed up. Would you please forgive me? That's not who I want to be. And you know what's amazing is the only reason why we even realize that we messed up is because we're in the new covenant. Because part of the new covenant is that his spirit comes to reside in us and all of a sudden things that never caused us guilt causes guilt. Things that never causes conviction now causes conviction. 
So things that I did every single day until I accepted Jesus and never felt an ounce of remorse about it. All of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I shouldn't have done that. God, that's a great thing. Can I just tell you, don't ever feel bad about conviction. Conviction's the gift of God. That you even recognize that you're, you've done something wrong, that's the gift of God. Because a lot of us did a lot of stuff that we never felt anything about. Except, hey, let's do it again. And then Jesus came into our life. We became part of the new covenant. And then we do that thing and we're like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't think I should be doing that. See, the word says that the law is written on our hearts. It's written in our hearts because we enter into the new covenant. Because it's written into our hearts, we now have conviction. See, he established the covenant, and he keeps us in the covenant. And he helps you work out the covenant. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. And some of you... I may get hate mail for this, but I don't care. Some of you just need to stop trying so hard. You just need to stop trying so hard. You need to let Jesus be Jesus. And you need to relax in the fact that he's going to get you where you need to be. Some of you approach your Bible and your devotional life and everything that you do as a follower of Jesus as legal requirements. I've got to do these things. Just stop it. The second we step back and say, Jesus, you did it. And your word promises me that he who begun a good work in me, he'll be faithful to complete it. You'll get it done. If I'll just stay with you and I'll stick it out, you get me to where I need to be. Because what happens with so many people is they, they make that list. I got these religious obligations. I got to do these things. And you do them. And then when you don't do them, you feel guilt and shame. And you turn and you actually step away from Jesus. Instead of saying, you're right, I can't do it on my own. And that's why he came in the first place. If one human being could have lived to the standards that God had outlined, Jesus didn't need to die because it was achievable. Jesus died because it wasn't achievable. And so he fulfilled it for all of us so that we would partake. So stop being a doer and just say, Jesus, thank you that you've done it. And I don't know how you're going to work it all out in me. And I don't know how you're going to change me. And I don't know how everything's going to fall away. And I don't know when I'm going to stop struggling in this area. But I know you're going to do it. 
See, that's the joy of the new covenant. And that's why we have 1 John 1, 9, that we can fall on again and again and say, okay, God, I blew it again. So many of us quantified, okay, well, I blew it, blew it 57 times. Obviously, I'm just not qualified. And we give up. It's funny how people will spend their whole life messed up and then they come to Jesus and they expect everything to change in a week or a year or two years or five years. Can I tell you, I accepted Jesus almost 30 years ago and I'm still working it out. Thank you. But I'm still working it out. And actually, a better way to put it is he's still working it out. And what's great is as I walk with him, as one thing slips away, then the next thing comes to the surface. He goes, okay, now let's deal with this. And the thing is, (laughs) oh, can I just talk as family? Of course I can. You guys are so gracious. Can we give God room to work in people's lives? Can we? And what I mean by that is, let's not be the ones that think we have to tell everybody when they do something stupid and they mess up. And let's not put what God's dealt with us about off on other people. Now, am I saying there's, there's not standards? I'm not saying that at all. Am I not saying that, you know what, God wants us to live a certain way? I'm not saying that at all. But you know what? When I, got, when I got saved, when I gave my life to Jesus, instantaneously my potty mouth went away. And I had a vile, disgusting mouth. I did. It's how people knew I was saved. They'd come up to me, what's going on with you? What do you mean, what's going on with you? What's going on with you? Oh, well, nothing's going on. No, something's going on with you. How do you what, what do you mean? You haven't cussed all day. Right? It's how people realized there was a shift and a change in me. But you know what? I did other things that would be considered sinful for a long time after that, never felt any guilt. And then one day, bing! And then I'd look at somebody else, right? The Lord's convicted me of this and convicted me of that, and I've changed this and I've changed that, and I meet somebody else. And I'm like, well, hey, my list says this, but you obviously are okay with that. How can that be? Their walk with Jesus is not my walk with Jesus. And what Jesus needed to convict and change in me first was not what needed to change in them first. And so we need to be careful about saying, well, brother, you shouldn't do that. Well, maybe there's bigger fish to fry in that person's life that Jesus is working on. And can I just say... that there are reasons that people do things that we don't always understand why they do them. And for us to say that you should fix that when we don't know why it is they do that. You know, I think think about alcoholics. An alcoholic stays an alcoholic until they fix the, the reason why they're an alcoholic. That's really the truth with any addiction. Until you fix the reason 
that you have the addiction, you will always be addicted. Yeah. It's getting to that root. And for every, other, every person, it's different. And see, for us to say, you should just stop that, when really God needs to heal some things in their heart so they can stop it, we need to give the same grace that God would give so that that can get fixed so that they can change. Does that make sense? That Jesus brought us into a new covenant so that he could work out in us what needs to be worked out and that we could be confident that he's going to work it out. And that you know what? Every day can be a fresh start. And if we blow it, you know what? We can fall on First John 1, 9 and say, Jesus, I blew it. And in an instant, we're forgiven and we're cleansed of it. And it's like we never sinned at all. And it's all because of Jesus. And that's the covenant that we're under. The, G, the, the covenant of Jesus ratified in his blood that paid the price for all of our sin and failures, the past, the present, and the future. And our faith shouldn't be in ourselves. Our faith should be in him. But he paid the price. And because he paid the price, we can walk in confidence knowing that he loves us, he shed his blood for us, and that he'll get us there if we'll just stay with him. Amen. Thank you for checking out today's podcast. If you would like any further information about River's Edge Church, please visit our website at visitriversedge.com or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for listening.